Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Anyways, we are continuing in our sermon series that we began at the beginning of this month called The Parables of Perishables. We had a short break last week with Ty Buckingham. Did anybody enjoy last week? Did did God just move on your heart last week? Yeah, incredible service. Thankful for all the testimonies of salvations and healings. I heard some some backs and some shoulders were healed, praise God. And so continue to to, um, move in that direction as God has moved on you last week. I believe baptism is in the Holy Spirit, so let's continue to seek God as a church. Um, But today we get to dive back and we are concluding our series on parables of perishables. The different stories that Jesus would use to teach about wealth. And three weeks ago, uh, Pastor Rick, my dad, highlighted uh, our role as God's stewards. That it's our responsibility to, and to steward the wealth that has been entrusted to us. Two weeks ago, we talked about investing our money wisely. And not just talking about physical investments, although yes, we should save and, and, and we should invest wisely, but we should invest spiritually, investing in the kingdom of God. I hope you've been tracking with us uh, how we can manage our finances, bless God, and bless others. And today we're going to finish this series by looking at one more parable in the book of Luke. Um, Because just with any resource, when we talk about wealth, wealth can be used in a right way, in a good way, and in a wrong way. How do we use wealth wisely? Today's message is called The Wisdom of Generosity. The wisdom of generosity. That might sound uh, ironic because why would I be generous? What's wise about stewarding my money if I'm giving it away? But we'll find in God's economy, it's actually better to give, to be generous, to give away than to save it all for ourselves. And so we're going to look at the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. If you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to Luke chapter 12. Otherwise, we'll have it up on the screens always like to remind you, you can pull up the sermon notes on the Church Center app if you go to their homepage down at the bottom, or if you follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. There's a link uh, in our church description to follow along with the outline. Luke chapter 12. Um, let me give you a, pr- a quick preview so you know where we're headed with this story today. Jesus tells a story about a rich man who comes into a sudden windfall of abundance. He had an opportunity to be generous here, and he squandered it. And as a result, God labeled this rich man a fool. See, over a lifetime, all of us will, at some point, we have a finite amount of days on this earth, right? And that means we have a finite amount of opportunities to be generous with our money. Think about that. Our our days are numbered. Our opportunities to be generous are also numbered. How will we choose to use those opportunities? And that is what Jesus is getting at here in this story. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, talking about Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, 
who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, some people will read this parable and immediately conclude that Jesus was teaching us that we shouldn't save money. But that, that you are missing the main point of what Jesus is trying to say here. The question that we should not ask ourselves is not how much should I save. The better question is, do I have the correct understanding of the purpose of the wealth that God has given me? When I understand the purpose for the wealth I have, then I will be able to know how much I should save. You see, the parable of the rich fool, it's actually not so much just about a rich fool. It's a story about two people. Jesus was telling this story because a man comes into the crowd listening to Jesus and he has a problem with his brother. We don't know a lot about the context of this issue. We simply know there's a disagreement on dividing a financial inheritance. And we're, we're just going to assume this man has a legitimate case, right? We, we don't know any better. The Bible doesn't give us any more details. We don't know for sure, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And, and remember, we said before, we have a finite amount of opportunities to be generous in our life. This man is in the middle of one of those opportunities, and he has to choose between preserving an important relationship in his life or choosing to seek after what he felt entitled to in this financial inheritance. I love how Jesus calls them. He says, you call me teacher, then let me teach you something. Because you're not actually coming to me as a teacher. You're asking me to be a mediator. You're asking me for my bias to be on your side. Do you ever do that when you pray to God? You say, God, I'm actually looking for your, your partiality. And Jesus says, can I give you, instead of some partiality, can I give you some perspective? Can I show you what I'm actually seeing in this situation right here? Jesus teaches his perspective through a parable of another man who had the opportunity to choose generosity. And the story shows a rich man who receives a large amount of surplus. And it's interesting to, to note, it says this man was rich before he came into the surplus. This was not a poor man who then gained wealth through this new, uh, all of a sudden excess. He was already rich. He already had plenty from what we can tell. 
In fact, he had so much that now with this excess, he couldn't hold it all. His buildings, his system could not hold the amount of surplus that had been added. Sometimes God blesses us with wealth so greatly that we can give away and not lose anything for ourselves. You, you could give away something possibly and not even miss it because you have so much. That's what this man is dealing with right now. Sometimes that's how the world operates. But there's a difference in how we're supposed to live as disciples of Jesus. Because what happens when you don't have enough, but yet God is still asking you to give away? Sometimes we're in both and situations, but sometimes we're in either or situations. It's really quiet in here. You're making me nervous. The man that came to Jesus asking for him to be a mediator was in a situation of an either or situation. He could not continue a good relationship with his brother and receive what he felt entitled to. What do you do in those situations? Can you choose generosity even when it hurts you? And today we're looking at three different, not three different points, it's a little different today. We're going to look at three different lies that wealth deceives us with, that the world tells us about wealth. And the first one is lie number one, I am the maker of my own fortune. That's what we hear a lot in the world, right? I did this, I created this, I produced this. Wealth has an incredible power to deceive us and confuse us and say that our role is owner, not manager. I am the maker of my own fortune. Before Jesus even spoke about the parable, he told the man in verse 15, look at verse 15 again. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. This doesn't sound like a suggestion, this doesn't sound to me like Jesus is like, hey, maybe consider possibly. No, he says, be careful. Watch out. I can see your heart. Be on your guard because you need to guard yourself from greed getting into your heart. Reminds me of another parable that Jesus spoke about. You can see it in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the parable of the sower. If you look at, look at Mark 4, 18, very quickly, it says, when he was telling this story, he said, still others... Like seed sown among thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Wealth tells a lot of lies, but possibly the greatest lie is the one that says, I am the producer of my own wealth. You can see that mentality in the parable in Luke 12. Look at verse 17. The man, when he had built up so much, it says, He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. It's a great lie to believe I created all this. I made this happen. This is all because of what I have done. The man says, what, what should I do? Where should I put my crops? He believed the abundance was because of him. This is not 
a new theme. In fact, you can see this all throughout the Bible. If you go back to the beginning, Moses and the Israelites, God warns his people of this type of mentality. Look back at Deuteronomy chapter 8. Let's read this passage together. It's powerful. Starting in verse 10. This is what God is saying to the Israelites through Moses. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You may say to yourself, my power the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. The rich man in Luke 12 was not prepared to be generous because he fell into the same trap that the children of Israel were vulnerable to as well, that when we receive, when we produce, we think it's all because of us. But we have to remember that when we receive, we need to give praise to God. I love the beginning of that. It says, it says when you've eaten, when you're satisfied, praise the Lord. Praise God because he has given you what does it say? Good land for them. What has God given you that you need to give God thanks for? When you receive that job, give thanks to God. When you receive that diploma, give thanks to God. When you receive that spouse, your children, when you receive family, when you receive the blessings from God, first priority is to give thanks to the one who gave it to you. I am not the producer of my own wealth. God is in charge. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He gives the ability to produce. We can't take credit for what God has done. The first lie is, I am the maker of my own fortune. The second lie, the second lie says this, He who dies with the most toys wins. That's true, right? We think if I, whoever accumulates the most amount of wealth, whoever dies with the most amount in their bank account, man, they were great. They were incredible. They did so much. Guess what? They've now passed away and the money's still here and it will, it will rust. It'll be gone. Someone else will take it. The, the government will come for it. All those things. Congrats on all that you amass, all that you accumulated. It does nothing for you now. He who dies with the most toys wins. Look at what, the, what, look what Jesus said to the man in the crowd. After he warned them against greed, he says, verse 15, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's not what life is all about. Jesus was discerning this man's heart, that he desired more things in his life because he thought that owning more things meant he would have a better life. Jesus then went into the story. Look what he said in verse 18 about the farmer. 
He said, this is what the farmer said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus again. He believed that a greater life awaited him with an increase in his possessions. So he went about building more so that he could keep that wealth instead of giving some of it away. It's amazing how timeless the things in the Bible, thousands of years ago, we are still struggling with here today. Right? When we, we get a raise at work, we get a promotion, whatever, what is our first thought? Oh, I can, I can now go into a better neighborhood. Now I can get a nicer car. Now I can go on a better vacation. What happens when our income goes up and then our expenses go up? We keep the same margin for generosity and saving. We haven't actually gained anything except for more possessions, things that won't help us, that won't actually satisfy our need and our joy. The issue that Jesus is pointing out to with wealth is that we're spending on ourselves, not that it's wrong. He's pointing out if you think that spending more will make you happier, you're wrong. Let me give you a really lame example from my life. And I'm nervous because I've already told a bunch of jokes about decorating for Christmas early. And none of you have laughed, so I'm just nervous this isn't going to land very well. But a lame example from earlier this year, I don't know why I had this short-lived infatuation with this. But I was getting interested in uh, older video games. Stephen Sharp next here, so he, he can attest to this. Um, uh, he, he knows what that's about. Um, I just began to look more at some of the games from my childhood, you know, N Nintendo 64, anybody, right? Uh, Super Smash Brothers. I had all these great games, right? Mario Kart, this is the most amount of applaud we've had all day. That's great. Um, GoldenEye, whatever you like. And yet, I was like, oh man, I've never had Super Mario 64. Uh, I played Star Fox as a kid. And I don't have that game. And I looked into how could I buy these games, right? Where could I find them? And, and I spent a little bit of money. I did not spend a lot of money, okay? Thankfully, it didn't take long, $30, $40 later. I said, I just bought a new game or two, and I'm already focused, not on that game, not on what I just have, but how I can get something else. What is the problem here? First of all, I already have plenty of games that I don't spend any time on. And yet I'm looking for more. What, what is this issue? If we think that an increase in possessions will increase our happiness, it's wrong. It only will increase our, hungry for more, our hunger for more and more. That's all it does. It doesn't change anything. And Jesus is saying, you want life? You want fulfillment? The fulfillment that you want in these possessions, it won't give it to you. I came that you would have life and that you would have it more abundantly and give it to the fullness to you. In me is fullness of life. He who dies with the most toys wins is a fallacy. It's a lie that will keep you from all that Jesus has for you. And lastly, the third lie is this. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Have you heard that phrase before? Anybody familiar with that phrase? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. There is some wisdom in that, right? Being content with what we have, not looking for more. But there are ways in which it, it's misaligned with God's economy. Because Jesus said, be on your guard against greed 
He said life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. Storing up wealth, it doesn't lead you to life. And here is how Jesus ends the story. He says in verse 21, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Jesus issues this warning, not because he doesn't want us to have nice things. He actually wants us to have the best thing. Focusing more on God, on the prize, than focusing on the possessions of here on earth. Jesus is trying to, t- to take something away, isn't trying to take away something from you and me. He's trying to give us something better than what the world can offer. He's not criticizing our desire for joy and happiness and contentment. He's trying to be the greatest fulfillment of those things. The parable tells us that the abundance of possessions is a trap. And this is what it says in verse 20. When this man had stored up all of these possessions, he had had enough room for all this wealth. It said, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He had worked hard. He had saved up. He had sought after happiness and joy and contentment. But in the end, he didn't receive what he was looking for. It tests our faith to weigh what we can see, touch, and taste versus what we will receive in the future. It's a test of our faith. To be so focused so often on what we have in our hand instead of what God has for us out there. There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis. Let me share it with you where he talks about our desire for the temporary things of life. Alex, you can come up and play as, as we get ready to close. This is what the quote says. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Let me ask you today, are there times where you're far too easily pleased with the possessions that you have instead of focusing on God who you serve? There's nothing wrong with enjoying possessions. There's nothing wrong with playing video games, right? We can do that. But if that's what we focus on the most, if that is all that gets us easily pleased, if that that football game, the victory or the loss is all that defines us, we are too distracted by the wealth, the deception of wealth to focus on what God wants to do in our life through generosity. Think about the enjoyment. There, there's obviously a dopamine reaction when, when, you, when you gain something, when you buy something. But have you ever thought about when you've given a gift to, to someone else, a Christmas gift, or you, you found the perfect gift, how excited are you to wrap that thing up or put it wherever and to watch them, watch somebody else receive something 
because of the time and the investment that you made. There's a greater joy available to us. I hope that we can keep our perspective, reminding ourselves to focus on what is most important in life. It's the people and it's the voice of God directing us in life. I had a very humbling reminder a few months ago of what's most important in life. About two months ago, on a Friday afternoon, Scott and I were up in the office talking, discussing things. I get a call from Shanna. I don't answer it. I text her back, say, hey, I'm in a meeting. Do you need something? She texts back very cryptically. She says, there's a man that just knocked on the door and now he's walking around her house. There's a woman in the car. She just got out and she's staggering around. I'm like, all right, well, maybe, do you mean do something? Maybe, maybe you should call the police. I, I don't know. And then I call her back and she doesn't answer. I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I think I need to go home just to make sure everything's okay. And, and I didn't get too worried at first because uh, if you try to contact Shannon in the past with text or, voice or a call, sometimes she doesn't answer right away. But as I'm driving home and I'm calling again and again and again, I'm starting to get worried. And I'm about halfway home and she finally answers the phone. And she's emotional. I said, are you, first thing I said, are you okay? She said, yes, I'm fine. I called 911. There was a man walking around. Uh, they, they said to go make sure the doors are locked. I knew the, all the outside doors were locked, but I went to lock our laundry room to make things more safe. And when she went to do that, she saw the man trying to break in in the back window of our house. The man saw her. He ran around. He, he left. Next time I told her where Grandpa's shotgun is, if we need to use that uh, to protect our house. And I thought, man, We've got a lot of things in our house where we're blessed, but nothing in the house mattered more than making sure Shanna was safe. We could lose everything in there and be fine, but people, investing in people, keeping our focus on others is way more important than any possession. If he had taken any video game, any cash or any credit card, whatever, those can be replaced. But our focus on being generous and loving people is what matters the most. As we conclude this morning, I, I know we've talked a lot these past few weeks about being a good steward throughout the series. Aside from the lies that wealth tells us, we can face some very real challenges, right? Maybe you're struggling, you're living paycheck to paycheck right now. Or maybe you've got plenty, but you didn't see the benefit of generosity that we see modeled in this story here. God wants you to experience the fullness of life that he has for you. He doesn't want wealth or the lack of it to keep you from any of the good plans that he has for you. The kind of generosity that we've talked about this morning, it requires faith. Looking back at this passage in Luke one more time, we're not told how the man in the crowd responded to Jesus' story. We don't know if he went back home and he dropped that lawsuit and reconciled with his brother. If he said more wealth isn't worth this strain on the relationship. I don't, we don't know if he said I'm wrong. But the most pressing question for us today is what will we do with the finite amount of opportunities for generosity in our life? 
I don't want to be so focused on my possessions and gaining more that I lose sight of the people in my life. Would you stand to your feet as we close today? Next week is going to be an opportunity, first week of December, for our end of year offering. I'm going to ask you today one more time, would you be praying and asking God, what can I give so that the whole world can know the gospel? We're going to be giving to ministries here locally, you know, She Dreams Again and, and Hope Center and Ohio State Chi Alpha, but we're also going to be giving globally to City of Refuge in Honduras, to Israel, to allow Bible translation to go out throughout the world, different areas so that the gospel can be moved throughout the world. And I'm asking you to be willing to invest. Whether you feel like you have a lot or you have a little, remember God always looks at the heart. Is there faith to believe that I can give even from the little that I have to bless the kingdom of God, to bless other people around us, to focus on what God has given us. Would you pray with me? I'm gonna do something different as we close here. Usually I only ask for a repeat after me prayer when we're doing salvation, but I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me with this prayer. Would you say, God, I give you my wealth. It all belongs to you. Show me how to better steward what you have given to me. Help me to resist the temptation to live in greed and instead choose generosity. Eternity weighs in the balance and I desire to partner with you to bless the kingdom of God with earthly wealth. Amen. And God, I thank you for each person here. I pray a blessing over them and their lives. Help us to, to not believe in the deception of wealth that we are the reason for our wealth, that we need to accumulate all that we have to be focused on the small things here in our hand when you have something greater and better for us in store. I pray that you would bless finances. I pray that you would bless marriages. I pray that you would bless work and relationships. I pray a blessing over your people. We give thanks to you today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.